to episode 26 of In Touch with iOS, a podcast for sharing tips, apps, and gear for iPhone and iPad, along with related technologies that get us using iOS in fun, productive, and meaningful ways. I'm your host, Dave Ginsberg, and joining me, as always, is Melissa Davis. How are you doing, Melissa? Good, good. How are you? You sound like you're getting ready to bet on a horse. I am. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I knew it. I I am. (laughs) I didn't think I sounded that way. But uh, oh, she is fun. right. I do podcast on betting horses, so <laughs> uh, I'm glad you're here. Uh, we, another another week here. We're going to talk some, about some more stuff here. Got some uh, good news stories that we're going to bring about, bring up this week, uh, as well as we're going to talk a little bit more about um, some more the safari tips we couldn't get to on the last episode. Uh, well, some other good topics, as well as some uh, great uh, apps, and uh, and who knows what else we'll come up with, right? Yep. Uh, so let's uh, let's dig right in and let's uh, let's talk about some of the news that had happened this past week. Uh, the first one that caught my eye was uh, Google Play. They talked about uh, it uh, potentially is going to be changing and switching to what's called YouTube Remix, which uh, you know YouTube also does have a YouTube Music uh, app that you can uh, get for your uh, iPhone and iPad, and allows you to be able to listen to music similar to what you do, like on Apple Music or Pandora or any of those types of services. Uh, but the, the Google Play Music st- uh, streaming service was or has been around for quite a long time, but it, is, it did seem kind of silly to have two competing services that do basically the same thing. Very confusing, Very yeah. Confusing. Yeah, and and if you look at the article, we'll have a link in the show notes on the Mac Observer. Um, you know, right now, uh, if you really look back, if you look at uh, what Apple offers right now, Apple Music and iTunes Match, which still is still around. Um, you know, Apple Music, of course, is the subscription service. It allows you to be able to subscribe to music. And I like the Apple Music. I've been very happy with it. And uh, it's nice to be able to uh, uh, be able to listen to basically whatever you want and download whatever you want, which is nice, uh, while, you, while you have a subscription. Uh, but uh, Google in itself, I think, has done a lot of, a lot of changing as of late um, as far as uh, the way they are offering a lot of their entertainment. Uh, it's been pretty fragmented across their brand. So I think that's really what they're looking to do here is to try to, you know, brand it with, with YouTube. Is you really, if you think about it, YouTube is probably the de facto place to go to find pretty much anything that relates to media, uh, whether it be music, videos, whatnot. Um, so, do you think that the stuff that's going on politically in the EU is driving some of this stuff? Like maybe they're tightening up um, protocols and procedures and stuff like that for data transfers because um, of what's required. It's possible. I, I, I don't, in my opinion, I don't think it is uh, because most of what Google does with this, I think, is, is mostly in the U.S., uh, but they do have a lot of other uh, services out there that, I mean, the services that they do uh, provide with music, you know, other 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 countries are using it. But I, I don't, honestly, I don't think uh, that would be a reason why um, that they would be doing this. I think it's more so, I think, it's just the streamlining of the services. I think they have too many mm-hmm. You know, competing, like I said, they're competing against each other. But if anything, what's going to do is this is going to benefit Apple. I mean, uh, you know, because a lot of these people are not going to want to go to YouTube. And then they'll say, mm, maybe maybe this is something, uh, this will be something interesting as, as far as uh, uh, as far as that goes. Um, so, you know, you never know. Um, so I, th- I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't see I don't see any uh, uh, problems as far as uh, why this would be doing this. So, um but, uh, yeah. So what is, can you do like a cost comparison? Like what does it cost? It's like nine ninety nine a month for Apple music. Right. And you get music 
Do you get music videos with that for kids, for um, people who want to yes, watch actually, music videos? Actually, Apple just added the music videos not too long ago. And actually, it's better. You get a better deal if you buy it for a full year. It's $99 for the oh. year. So it, you know, if you pay the $10 a month, you're going to pay more money in the long run if you're paying monthly. So I, I see. I always, and that's how I buy it. I, 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 so you, oh, so you can pay it annually then? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. So. so you get a better deal with Apple Music if you pay it annually. And then compared to what does it cost to buy into Google's music services right now? I think it's very similar in pricing. Uh, it was, I think it was, uh, it was uh, right around the same price as what Apple Music was offering. Um, but, you know, again, they have the same uh, ways of with apps and downloading music, being able to listen to it. Um, but uh, uh, I tend to, I was leaning more towards Apple. I think the Offerings were better, you know, a lot more, a lot more choice of music mm-hmm. um, in the long run. So, uh, uh, yeah, so it's uh, it was definitely it was definitely uh, uh, a nice thing as far as Apple way Apple Music is. So, hmm. um, but uh, yeah, uh, I, th- I think that was an interesting article, and uh, like I say I still recommend Apple Music. I think it's a it's a very good uh, a very good service uh, indeed. So. Um, one other one other news story I was going to mention that we had not talked about it during pre-show, but I'm, so I'm kind of kind of throw you off here. That's okay. I'm Sorry. here to learn. Uh, unless, <laughs> unless you uh, heard about it, is uh, Flickr? Flickr was bought by yes. Smugmuck. I, I did. I'm super stoked and excited about this. Um, yes, and I've been hearing mostly good news. When I oh, first saw that, I thought, oh boy, here's a merger. Here it comes. No, here no. It comes. Because I do. I, I don't. I have, I have a pro- lot on Flickr, but I have quite a bit on Flickr. No, I have a lot on Flickr, and I also have a pro. Mm-hmm. Co- I had a pro account for uh, for many years, and I still do. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I think the nice thing is, is, is and just like everything else that's going, that's going on with, the, with Yahoo and Yahoo is now called Oath. Uh, right. So Yahoo was bought out by AOL, which is now Oath, right? Which actually is Verizon. Verizon now owns AOL. <laughs> so and, Verizon. Wait, in what order did it go? Verizon purchased. Verizon bought. Yahoo, had already owned AOL. They bought AOL as well. So Verizon bought AOL, then they bought, then they bought Yahoo, Yahoo, right? And they changed they, the they name changed from AOL to Oath. To Oath, yeah. They, they combined Yahoo and AOL to be now it's under the Oath brand. And then Yahoo used to own, or I guess it, it currently owns, well, I guess not anymore. It had owned Flickr. Right. Flickr Flick- was a Yahoo product. Now Flickr is going to be a Smug Mug product. Yeah, and the great thing about what Smugbug is assuring all the all the um, uh, the users is it's going to run as an independently family-run firm, and then they they promise they're they're assuring everybody that that's how it's going to be run because you know the, the a Smugbug is, is has always been aimed towards professional photographers, but Smugbug also sees how how incredibly popular uh, Flickr is with all 75 million users they have, and it's uh, very family-run oriented, so. Uh, and yeah, no, surprisingly, Flickr has been has survived all the storms of Yahoo over the, all the years when it was purchased. Yeah, that is an interesting factoid, isn't um, it? So the reason why I bring it up too is um, is um, uh, on the, in the ways of AO, uh, using your iOS devices. Uh, it, it's a they've got a great app on both uh, iPhone and I, iPad, be able to manage your photos. And, they really do. It's actually pretty yeah. cool because there's little features in there. We should probably put the the uh, Flickr app. Well, I don't know. Maybe not. Because <laughs> what, what is it going to be? What's going to happen to the Flickr app? Oh, nothing. Then? It's going to stay the same. They're, they're not going to touch it. Uh, it so Flickr is going to stay. The branding, the name is going to stay yes. Flickr. It's going to stay Flickr for now. Mm, they okay. haven't said that. That's, that's what Smugbugs. I just put a, 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 we'll have a link in the show notes with an article uh, 
uh, the Guardian has uh, got one good article that was written about it, and um, uh, yeah, it's going to stay uh, independent. They're going to they're going to they're going to let, let it run in this, uh, separately from Smugma. Because I said both audiences are different. Smugmug was more, is like I said, more aimed towards professional photographers, whereas right. it was always amateurs and professionals too. Um, but there's just such an amazing uh, community uh, out there with us, with uh, Flickr that, uh, yeah, it would be crazy for them to, to, to mess with that. As much as I love using Apple Photos, I have to admit, right. though, that I have really resorted to using Flickr for, for sharing because there's still lots of people and family members, friends, you know, lots of people that I interact with that just don't have an iPhone and I just can't sure. share. Um, and, and it's times where I'm – this is a tricky situation because I'm a parent and I have, you know, kids in school and sometimes there's field trips or there's there's certain events where you're taking pictures of kids and you don't have, like, consent to take pictures of the kids. So you may – you don't want to share it publicly. You don't want to share it through social media. But maybe you want to share – you know, a bunch of pictures that you took with specific parents or, you know, that didn't get to go on the field trip or something. This is just one example you can apply to lots of things and you want to share it privately, but you can't, uh, the only way that you can really do that is to make it a public website. Now, I mean, come on, the reality of the situation is nobody's really going to get that link, but it's still, you know, it's a peace of mind that you can share it privately right. with Flickr. With Flickr, it's a private album that you can share the whole album with. And it's just, it's a it's a really good uh, user experience when I've used it in the past to share an album, a private album with just friends and family for, you know, wedding or, or something that for whatever reason they don't want just completely smattered all over Facebook, you know, there are, there are levels of, of sharing. And the Flickr interface has been really good on iOS that I've liked. Um, there's also been times where I've used it to say strip out, uh, XF information that shows location for, I mean, you can do use other apps to do that right. also, but I like the idea that Flickr really educates you on what information is attached to your photos. Right. That's kind of one of the first places that you'll get that education and you can see exactly, it shows you exactly which camera was used and all of it, like you said, it was it was gamed for um, professional photographers, so they like to see all that kind of information. But it's it's good right. for novices too. Oh, absolutely. So. And then uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely link, we'll link uh, the the Flickr app in the, in the show notes as well. Uh, and one cool thing about the, the the app is it does have an auto upload feature that allows you to be able to upload everything that's in your photos, um, either on your iPad or your iPhone, right up to Flickr. Now. You get one terabyte of space, even if you don't. Have Which a is a lot. A lot of space, yeah. So, um, having another place to back up your photos is, is pretty mm -hmm. awesome, if you ask me. Um, yeah. And, and like I said, I've, I've always loved Flickr. I thought it was a great program. I was starting to get a little worried the way uh, it was going to see mm -hmm. what they were going to do. But I'm I was pretty excited when I heard, heard this announcement. And every Flickr uh, user got an email from from Smogbug uh, uh, telling them about it. So, uh, mm -hmm. no, great news. Real good news. So, um, other news of the day was uh, uh, Apple did release a new version of iOS. It was 11.3.1, which is basically a small fix. Um, the biggest thing that they highlighted was, I guess, there was a lot of people who had uh, iPhone 8 devices that were uh, having problems with the digitizer continuing to work after it was replaced uh, because it was an quote-unquote unauthorized uh, third-party screen replacement. Oops. Um, so, uh, yeah, so they had to fix that cause, uh, in order for it to... Uh, uh, to continue to work, so that that fix uh, is in there, and that's what's in the release notes. So we have a link to the to the article on Mac Observer uh, relates to that. So 
So it was, I guess there was some compromised uh, visual quality that may fail and not work correctly. So I mean, you know, it's got that gosh darn uh, Apple sometimes, I tell you. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but it's a small, very small update. Highly recommend it. It's only a 44, 45 megabytes. Uh, uh, some security fixes were out there too is, uh, in relating to iPhone uh, 5S and later. Uh, all the it, it gives the specs of what happens uh, that uh, there was an impact as far as an application that may not... Uh, that you may may be able to gain elevated privileges on it and a memory corruption issue. Uh, a couple of things are listed there as well. Not uh, to me, a lot, just some security updates. You know, it wasn't a big release, but uh, but definitely go out there, get it. Um, uh, make sure you update both your devices, and uh, no problems with it. I've been running it for the last few days. It, it as we record this, it was uh, just released, I believe, on uh, Tuesday the twenty fourth of April. So uh, so go out, get it, get your stuff updated. I want to add or piggyback off of the security part because I love to talk about security Um, because I did mention and it reminded me of this when I asked you, you know, if you thought the the political kind of stuff going on in the EU or the tightening up of um, how like, you know, with the Facebook and the Cambridge data breach and all that kind of stuff, there's a lot of thought going around and there's a lot of communications and emails that are being passed around mm-hmm. or being sent out to, to people saying that, you know, like, for example, Instagram and oh. one of my clients he's forwarded me this one. Is this legitimate? Um, like we were just talking about how Yahoo is now Oath. Uh, they want you to now accept new privacy terms when you go to yeah. log into Yahoo. And I want to take this this timing now, since we're talking about security, sure, sure. to give everybody a little PSA that's listening. You're going to be getting a lot of emails if you, especially if you have signed into different services over the years that you may have forgotten about. Um, but more and more, more and more services and companies are starting to send out emails that say something to the effect of, in an effort to comply with the new regulations, blah, 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 blah. Here's our new terms of service and here's what's changed and here's a new privacy notice and yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. What this uh, raises a problem for is though it makes it really ripe for fishing. (laughs) It's fishing season. (laughs) So be really careful. Um, Basically, the number one rule, I would say that the golden rule is just don't click on anything from an email if you cannot help it. There's there are some times where when you know that you've initiated something that required some kind of link to be sent. Like, for example, if you signed up for a new account, you know that nine times out of ten, they're going to send you an email that says, oh, you just signed up for this service. Can you please verify your email? Those kinds of links are OK to click on when they come within minutes of you making a choice about something. But when it's something that you've just gotten and you didn't initiate the request or you didn't, you know, do something to make it happen automatically, then that's when I would say, yeah, don't click on anything. Just say, just look at the email and say to yourself, gee, thanks for letting me know. And then just go directly to the site. In fact, if you can try to save things like, for example, Yahoo's one of those things where that should be a login that's saved in your password manager. And I don't care what password manager you use. It should be a link that you've saved in there and you use the password manager to navigate to the website and that you don't just type it in willy nilly because sometimes that stuff can be spoofed as well. So it's the safest to just use your password manager to go to the site or make sure that you're going to the to the actual site, like you're typing in yahoo.com, for an example. And then there is a place there where it'll, it'll tell you, yes, we have these new terms. We want you to click this button to say that you accept the new terms. 
I think it was kind of crappy on their part to, to send people emails saying you have to click this button yeah. and then go log in. That's just dangerous. So right. just, you know, be aware that it's a ripe time right now. And there's lots of emails gonna, that are going to be coming into your iPhone right. mail inbox. And it's really just easy and convenient to tap on those links. But I say do a little bit extra work and actually go and manually navigate to the site so that you know you're getting to the right place. Yeah, Twitter just started doing it. There's there was an email sent I saw the other day with Twitter with their privacy changes as well as Facebook. Surprise! Mm-hmm. <laughs> all the stuff they dealt with. Um, well, on Instagram because Instagram, Instagram is a Facebook yeah. product, and yeah. so they had okay. to kind of re-explain things, you know, a different way right. because they're trying to comply with following rules and regulations. So while it may be legitimate, it's right. still not safe. And now is a good time to practice those safety precautions by not clicking on it directly and just navigating to the site manually. Yep. So, yep, uh, definitely a good, uh, as you said, a PSA. Mm-hmm. Be very, uh, very vigilant to what you click. Uh, don't don't click things you don't know what they are. So um, good, good, uh, good, uh, good information. So let's uh, say happy birthday to the Apple Watch. It's been three years. I can't three believe Three years. Oh, my goodness. And, can't uh, believe it. I've owned all three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one, one for of the each few year. I have, one, one of the few I have, a few of the products I have owned every single one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was uh, back on April 24th, 2015, uh, when the Apple Watch came out for the first time. It was the, the well, I guess they called it the, the original Apple Watch. But then, and then, they, and then all of a sudden the Series 1 came out. And then the Series 2 came out. So I hopped on with the Series One. Yeah, no, the Series One is a good, is a very, very good watch, but uh, th- that model was good. Um, I know I, the Series One. I think some, some challenges with battery life. Are you having challenges with battery life on yours? Mm, knock on wood, uh, not right now. I mean, I'm I'm pretty diligent about charging it every night, and I'm, you know, I'm not I'm not having battery issues to the point where. Gee, that's odd. My battery's running low. Like, gee, that's odd. I got a notification. So luckily, no, I have it. But here's the thing. And I wanted to wax nostalgic on this a little bit. Right. It's it's interesting. Just three years ago, this device, this wearable device came out. And so many of us were like, I know you weren't, but I was like, oh, I don't need an Apple Watch. Oh, why, why do I need an Apple Watch? Why do I even want an Apple Watch? I have a phone. I, I use my phone for everything. And, oh, it's an accessory to the phone. And, you know, people kind of were really negative about the whole thing. And But, but really, I mean, in three years' time, it has really become – I mean, you see them everywhere now. I mean, at least I do. I, I, and I'm, That's what else I, I think I, I look. The first thing I look at is I – Look to see if yeah. they have an iPhone. I look on their wrist to see if they have an Apple Watch. And I see, oh, yeah, it's I just something you notice now. Yeah, and it's not people, necessarily like a status symbol. It's like, oh, I just, like, I just uh, see people and, and my clients. That's why I ended up getting one because I thought my clients would be the last people to adopt a, a wearable or an Apple Watch. Right. But I'll tell you what, more and more of them are wanting to get into that. And um, it's something that I'm going to research for the future, but – wearable medical alert devices are a big thing with seniors. And um, I want to see in the future how Apple Watch can become, you know, can have a a stake in that race with, you know, the the best of the medical alert. I mean, it's something that they're going to be wearing. The the trick is, I mean, yeah, it's it's workable. And I've thought about it for some of my seniors, but uh, the trick is trying to 
teach them to get that muscle memory and to, you know, just to get even that thought that they can even use it for that. Because so many times they just, I mean, it's hard enough trying to get people just to wear something around their neck or even a medical ID bracelet and remember to wear it. That's, that's just part of the problem. That's not something that you can solve for very easily. Um, but you know, it's just interesting to think, wow, you know, three years time and you see them all over the place and I see them on people that I just wouldn't expect that would be wearing yeah, them. No, I so I just think that's interesting. But that. even myself, I mean, like I said, I mean, I primarily got it because I really wanted to be able to know how to use it for one of my clients were going to ask. And it was a good thing that I did because that did come to fruition and it came in handy. And so, you know, having it has enabled me to be able to answer their questions and provide tech support like I need to. But uh, more often, and this goes back to the battery issue, I really, I have to say, and I'm sorry, I know Bob's listening, but I just don't use it for a workout device like I know I should be using it for. Uh, I go to the, I go to my monthly, my monthly mug meetings, and I use it then to walk up the hill, and I track my steps. Then, I just, I'm, I, I just, again, it goes back to like what, what I was just talking about with seniors. It's hard enough to get them to remember to wear it. For me, it's like it's just not a channel in my brain just yet to be able to. Oh, I'm doing exercise now, or I mean, and I. Part of the problem is, I mean, I'll admit it. I'm just a sloth. I don't really exercise that much. It doesn't mean I'm not active. I'm always running after my kids. I'm always like doing something and going somewhere when I'm not resting with with my illness. But I just, I'm not of the workout mind. Whereas, like, I know so many of my friends that so many of them are like, "Yep, this is a walk. This counts. This counts. This counts." And they're always looking for places to do a workout. Whereas for me. It doesn't work that way. So it could be it, it could be that maybe my battery is lasting in a series one because I'm not using it really hard like that yeah. for for workouts and, you know, playing stuff off of it. Now, we did have an episode where we talked about listening to podcasts from your watch. Now, that will definitely tax your battery. Oh, so sure. I'm a little bit wary of that. And there's times where I have to just be really judicious about when I'm going to use it for, for that. But more importantly is I have gotten in, in the, I, so I haven't had it all three years. So say, you know, two years, maybe a little over two years that I've had this now. And I have gotten to the point where I do feel naked if I don't have it on, <laughs> you know, I do I like something's missing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, even, even you and I, we follow each other with activities. So you see whenever yep. I've, uh, uh, I've gotten my rings filled and then you, you send a, a big thumbs up say great job and that's, that's kind yeah of that, 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 that part I love I mean yeah. I love that like I like watching other people work out <laughs> I'm not working out I'm doing the same thing I'm walking all me at the IT job I'm walking around the office all day long and uh, uh-huh. up and down stairs a bunch of times and so that's that's where this my time of is. year it's a little harder for me because I'm so far away from everybody and by the time I check in it's like oh they're all in bed they're all sleeping mm-hmm. but I can see that like mm-hmm. I can see all my little friends that are sleeping on my watch because you know I can I can check in on everybody but I do I like I like sharing activity with my friends that's a lot of fun and I love you know giving people little motivations and I like receiving them too you know Kelly will send me like a good job you know thumbs up or Nick will send me one it's like you know I didn't really work hard for that I didn't earn that but I'll take it it makes me makes me happy. So there's a psychological boost to it. But I'll tell you what, I, I used to be an avid watch wearer. I mean, like I had a shark watch that lit up and I mean, I was a total nerd. I mean, it was digitized and all this stuff. And, and I wore it Casio. in the shower. I wore it everywhere. And I loved that thing. Like that was like my main 
little gadget that I relied upon. I had all my timer set on it. I just loved it, loved it. And then I stopped wearing it, you know, probably when I got a self, why not? I, I stopped wearing it for a wedding one time. And then I think I went to a different watch or something. It's just never the same ever again. And then I got a cell phone and then that was my watch. And so I didn't wear a watch for the longest time. And now that I'm wearing one again, I, I do, I feel like something's missing when I don't have it on because I have come to rely on it, but not for the way that other people use it, not as a workout device. I use all the other features on it. I use the calendar. I use the timers a lot. I use that multi-timer app that we talked about. I mean, I have to use it for like parenting in the digital age because with my kids and their homework and I'm, I'm always setting like timers, you know, okay, I got to have a timer for this mm -hmm. one because multi-timers, right? We don't have a multi-timer. Right built in in the iPhone, do we? So, but you do have with apps on the watch, I mean, you can put an app on your iPhone too, but it's just way more fun and way more easier to just do it right there from your wrist where you're used to doing it on a timekeeping device. So for me, I'm using it very, it's very, very functional and I'm using my watch a lot but I'm using it more for things like getting stuff done and keeping track of things. So I'm using it more for that than I am for yeah. workouts, which is what a lot of it's, it's a fitness device for more of my friends than it is yeah. a timekeeping device and tracking device like it is for me. Well, heart monitor. I mean, there's so many different applications for it. So it's not just necessarily workouts, but, uh, but the article has, there's a great article in there that I linked out there in the Mac observer, uh, link, uh, uh, that uh, there was an article in Wired magazine when it first came out about the secret history of Apple Watch and talking about the the original vice president of technology Kevin Lynch who was hired to, to work on the Apple Watch and really it, it's an interesting read to find out how the watch evolved and, and uh, where it's gone today. I mean they've done some amazing software updates. It's made it a lot more uh, user friendly as well as efficient and doing a lot of other things. Um, and like I said, you had the the Series Zero and then you have the Series One, Series Two, and then we have the Series Three. It's current right now, so. And software's been uh, updated uh, pretty frequently, 4.3.1, I think, is the current version of the OS, and a lot of great things that the watch can do. And I, I take advantage of them. I mean, even the, the text messages has been great. Uh, mm -hmm. I've turned on Twitter, uh, notifications for certain people. Um, of course, I mm -hmm. all your tweets I always watch. But, oh, uh, no, you poor thing. <laughs> no, I, uh, That'll kill your battery. <laughs> yeah, no, Renee Ritchie's what I do, and he he kills my battery because he, uh, okay. he tweets a lot. <laughs> it, uh, but, it, but, but the cool thing does. is, it, it does post up on the on the watch, and if I want to take a peek at it to see what's being talked about, you, know, you can do it. So I mean, it's just all, there's endless amounts of ways that it can be used. So. <gasps> I love using it to unlock my Mac. That too, I do it too. Yeah, that's so much fun. So I walk that up to so my great. machine, unlocking my Apple Watch. Sweet. Yep. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, take a look at the article. That was uh, uh, and say happy birthday. It's been three years. It's just, I mean, time has just flown. I've flown by. It's just amazing where time is gone with uh, uh, with everything with technology. It really is an incredible thing. I'm really resisting the urge to sing happy birthday to my watch. Don't I won't do, do it. I just won't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> All right. So that was the, some of the news articles that caught our eye. Um, let's uh, dig into some of the topics we were going to talk about today. There was a couple of things that uh, we we missed from, like I said, the last episode for uh, uh, about. Uh, oh, there's browsers. just so much. It there just wasn't yeah, time so to get it all in. So, so. Why, don't we, why don't you uh, uh, dig in and hit some of the other things that we weren't able to hit last time? Uh, it relates to Safari tips, including syncing tabs with iCloud and, uh, and some other things too. So yeah, that's a feature that I wanted to highlight that 
um, I think a lot of people overlook. I don't think they realize it's there because of maybe kind of the ways that you have to get to it. But the Safari app on the Mac and on the iPhone and the iPad, they all synchronize with each other through iCloud. So many people say, I just don't get iCloud. What is iCloud? And what I kind of resort to saying is it's like the glue that holds everything together, if, if, you, if I had to explain it in a sort of abstract way. And in this instance, iCloud is the thing, the service that makes these three devices talk to each other. So what's great about it is when you open up a web page on your iPhone and then say you want to set down your phone and you want to cuddle up with your iPad because maybe it's a website that you want to see larger. You know, you just want your eyes are tired and you want to look at a larger screen. You can pick up where you left off on the iPad. And the way that you do that is like we talked about before, when you get a new tab open, you tap the little squares. And then if you look towards the bottom, it'll show you all of the tabs that are open. Like I'm looking at my iPad right now mm -hmm. and this is, this is going to sound kind of goofy, but like I, for example, I have my, my Mac, so I have my MacBook Pro and then I have my iPhone and then I also have another iPad that the kids use. And that one's kind of just devoted to their use. And then I'm on my iPad. So I have actually three columns in the bottom that show me all the tabs that are open on those devices. And what's neat about that is I can either just tap on one of those in the list and it'll open it up and it'll take me to where I was on the other device. Or let's say there's a bunch of stuff that's open. That, like say I was researching something that had stuff in it that you know maybe I didn't want the kids to see or whatever that's open on the kid's iPad, I can actually delete, I can close the tabs from, so when they open up Safari and it synchronizes, they won't see that tab. So if there's like a, you know, if there's 176 uh, <laughs> or 11 million as, as someone says on, <laughs> do you ever listen to pocket size podcasts? Yes. Ronnie's always saying 11 million. I love it. <laughs> if you have 11 million tabs open, <laughs> you can close them by using the sync feature with iCloud. Uh, tabs. And then on Safari, there is a little icon that looks like a little cloud. And if you click on that in Safari on the Mac, you can see the tabs that are open on your other devices from there too. Do you use this feature a lot, Dave? Yeah. I mean, with sharing tabs going between uh, devices, yeah, it, uh, it makes things uh, very easy and uh, being able to navigate between devices. Um, and uh, especially, I, I like the history part of it where you actually go back and remember so some of the tabs you were at. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, oh, I definitely, definitely use that, that feature. So then the other feature that I just wanted to touch base on was, you know, kind of making things a little bit, I'm always looking for ways to make it easier on your eyes. I'm having some vision issues that I'm always struggling with. So there's a, a little trick that you can do when you save your bookmarks. You know how they're just listed in the favorites bar across the top or mm -hmm. when you open up a new set of tabs, they, they show up on your screen. Right. If you edit the name, if you long press on the name of it, you can tap edit and edit the name of the tab and you can name it something else. Mm -hmm. You know, like, for example, I did this with I just did this with our show notes tab because now we're using Google Docs for it. And what I did was I named it, you know how it's like a long name. It'll be like Google Drive slash blah, 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 blah. Right. So if you tap, long press and tap edit, you can change the name. So I just changed it to in touch with iOS or I just changed it to show notes. Right. And then instead of to make it easier to find, because it doesn't have like its own favicon, I put 
a little emoji next to it. I use the little swirl, the little blue swirl emoji, because mm-hmm. that kind of represents sort of what's in our logo, like a touch mark. And so now I can see it a lot faster because I just look for that little icon. Um, I use like, you know, books and I like one, I think uh, one I used a little clock for. You can just, you know, find your little favorite emojis that you want to use that kind of represent what that tab is about or what that that bookmark is about and put that before the name. Mm-hmm. Or you can even, I mean, you could even just substitute the whole name with just the emoji if you wanted to. If you're a really visual person and you're just looking for icons or, you know, say if you're working with little kids and you say, okay, click the little Apple icon or click the little book or click the, the little time, click the little clock. You know, maybe you're going to a link that you've bookmarked that's like, what time is it? Because nobody ever knows what, nobody that doesn't live here doesn't know what time it is in Arizona. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go to something like a timeconverter.com or something like that, you might want to bookmark it. But just instead of the name or just say time and then put the little clock in front of it. So that's just a, a little tip that I wanted to share for being able to navigate your bookmarks better. The ones that you use all the time that you want to really be able to see, just put a little emoji in front of the name. Yeah, oh, it's uh, that, that's just what's great about being able to customize a lot of this stuff and uh, being able to, to to do that. Yeah, I agree with you. That was my tip. And let's see. Then after that, um, you wanted to talk about using handoff because that sort of yeah. talks about you know thinking. So why don't you use explain how handoff works? Yeah, you know, uh, we're gonna have a link in the show notes to the actual the support article that Apple provides, so you can. Uh, those are always good. Yeah, and uh, those are always the the de facto place to go. Uh, they call it continuity. I always say that word. Continuity. Continuity. That's it. Not Constantinople. Continuity. Continuity. <laughs> and so to connect your Mac, iPhone, app, iPad, iPad Touch, and Apple Watch all in one place. So if you go there, it's, uh, there's uh, there's actually six different things that 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 uh, continuity does. One of them is handoff. And the nice thing about handoff is is being what really what handoff is. If you think about it, it's just like think of it. A relay race, and they, you hand the baton off to the next runner. Um, it's mm-hmm. handing it off from your iPhone to your iPad to your Mac to your Apple Watch, and it's seamlessly uh, between all your devices. It gives you those those sync features. Um, so what you'll you, what you'll see is you'll actually see a little icon, especially on your Mac when you when you go on to the device. And the biggest thing is to set up handoff. You have to be signed into iCloud with the same Apple ID. So if you're not signed in with the same Apple ID, the handoff is not going to work. So just be sure you have that. As well as Bluetooth. It, it communicates over Bluetooth, so when you're uh, on the same network, uh, you'll be able to communicate uh, with that as well. Uh, so you'll see it come up on your watch where it says continue on your iPhone. Because if you were looking at something on your watch and you might want to just send it right over to your iPhone, you could do that very easily. Um, so take a look at that. Um, and it gives you some information as far as how to use handoff. You know, like you, you'll see a, a separate Safari icon that will show up in your dock on your Mac, and it shows a little icon from your iPhone saying, from iPhone. So if you tap it, It'll, it, whatever you were browsing uh, on your iPhone when you come to your Mac, you'll, you'll be able to get right to it, which makes it really super easy. Um, so uh, it, it, it is a very cool thing. Now, a couple of the other things that are related to this in the continuity uh, uh, is a universal clipboard, being able to copy back between uh, devices, cellular calls, and I do that all the time. You can make an actual cellular call from your iPhone actually on your Mac, um, SMS and MMS for messages, uh, able to be able to... Uh, uh, use messages on your Mac as well as with your iPhone and iPad. And uh, Instant Hotspot, which you can create a hotspot from your Mac or your iPhone if you have the service and are able to use as a hotspot. 
thing that we just talked about this few minutes ago, auto unlock, which is awesome, being able to unlock your Mac with your with your watch. And then, like, like you said, Melissa, you love, you love mm-hmm. doing that. So I'm I'm a super, super. I always super. I always like that using that. So. It's fun. It's like a party trick. It's like, yeah, watch this. Yeah, just, no, come over and, hey, look, it unlocked. <laughs> so, but yeah, take, take, a, uh, take a review of that uh, support article in the show notes. Um, and uh, that definitely is a uh, uh, thing to take a look at. So. Now, I'm not sure if, if it's part of the universal clipboard service, but um, I thought it might be good to discuss the Apple TV app. If you have an Apple oh, yeah, TV yeah. Mm-hmm. and you use the app, so this has been happening lately and I just, this is evil, but I'm just going to share it anyway. <laughs> My kids will, they, they, I've been trying to re- limit their screen time for, you know, school reasons and stuff. And sometimes they want to sneak time at the TV. So I'll be in the other room, right? And I'll be doing something on my iPhone and all of a sudden I get this little pop-up that says something like continue typing on your, on your iPhone. <laughs> Cause they, they went into the Apple TV and they went to go, you know, do a search or, or look for something in the app store. They did something that engaged with the keyboard, which I, I call the, the on TV Ouija board <laughs> for lack of a better term. Cause you know how to use, you have to use the clicker. You have to like click each letter. But I love using the Apple TV app because anytime you have to use the Ouija board on the screen, you can just use your iPhone Apple TV app and it'll give you a text input box and you can type on the iOS keyboard so much easier. Or you can even copy and paste things like if you're trying to log in something. And so what's happening lately is I've caught them sneaking TV time (laughs) because it alerts me on my phone that there's been a text input entry on the Apple TV. So I get to yell for them, get off the TV. (laughs) How does she know? (laughs) So it's, it's fun if you're a parent and you have that on your, on your phone, it can alert you to when somebody's trying to enter something on the television. Naughty, naughty. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you had a PSA you wanted to tell us about, about do not disturb. Yes, yes. This is another, you know, being in touch with our iOS devices. I run into this a lot. So I really wanted to take some time and mention it because I think I may have figured out how it's happening. So I call this the PSA on DND (laughs) because that's just fun to say. Uh, DND stands for do not disturb. And the way that you can get to Do Not Disturb is by sliding up on your iPhone and getting to the control center. Now, we slide up from the bottom on, on anything prior to an iPhone 10. And on an iPhone 10, you swipe down from the upper right-hand corner to get to the control center. But either way, when you get there, I, I witnessed somebody doing this, and I think what's happening is there's the brightness control for it's like the little sun yep. icon and as they go to adjust the brightness i think they're they're missing the mark a little bit and they're tapping on the moon yep and when you tap on that moon that turns on do not disturb and you'll you'll know that it's on because the little moon is purple and there now now this is interesting i want to ask you about this because on on iPhones prior to iOS to on iPhones prior to the iPhone 10, when Do Not Disturb is enabled, you will see a little moon right. up at the top in the menu bar. But when I tried it with somebody that was on Verizon on an iPhone 10, the little moon did not show up. 
Well, the problem is because of the the notch. It's not everything yeah. visible up there, so um, so you don't see it. And that is that is kind of a bummer. But um, yeah, that, I hope that they fix that or that they improve upon that somehow because it's really handy to be able to see that little moon to know that do not disturb is on. Because I'm I'm just having a lot of. Um, a lot of my seniors are coming to me and saying, my iPhone isn't ringing. Like I'm not hearing people texting me and I'm not hearing phone calls and it keeps going to voicemail. And it turns out that their phone is ringing, but they can't hear it because do not disturb is enabled. And it's because they've enabled it accidentally. They didn't remember enabling it. And and I that's why I want to mention how I think it's happening accidentally because yeah, right. now it's happening to people that I've taught explicitly. Yes, this is a feature that you can use to your advantage, you know, I teach them to put it on like if they're say going to go to a movie theater and they want it to silence their phone because, you know, you have more and more people taking their phones into theaters and restaurants and stuff. And they might have it so that when it answers it, it goes directly to yep. speakerphone and that would be bad. So I'm trying to teach them, you know, how to use some phone etiquette and how to use it. And so even the people that understand that it's a feature and it's there and it's a benefit to use it and they know how to use it. I think they're they're engaging it accidentally because nope, they nope. don't realize that they've tapped it because then either they don't have the moon up there to to let them know or they just didn't know that you could look for a little moon up there. So it's just one of those things I wanted to have a PSA on. And I you might hear me mention it over and over again because it's just one of those things where it's just it's happens so easily and so often. Yep, and yep. I just feel bad for people that don't understand that that's what it's doing. You know, they just don't understand that to look there for that. So I thought that was interesting, and I I hope we look for that. I hope that in the newer versions of uh, the iPhone 10 or newer iOS versions that they'll add something so that you can see the little moon up there. Because I'm I'm trying to train people people to point their eyeballs in that section, you know, and and that's muscle memory too. No, and I, I wish so. and they wish they let you customize it because you can customize and move the icons around. Yes, um, but unfortunately, but only the bottom section. The bottom section moves. Yep, so you can't. Yeah. Uh, you can't do it, but uh, it's important to know if you do have uh, to, if you hit do not disturb for some reason um, that uh, you can go into the settings and actually uh, go to do not disturb. And when it's turned on, there is a scheduled uh, button turned on. So if if anything that could help you prevent this from happening during during uh, important hours of the day, uh, go in and turn on scheduled. So when do not disturb does go on. Um, it will start from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. Um, and that, I mean, I think most of us uh, are sleeping during those times. So uh, at least when, when the DNA is on, you don't realize it, it only goes on during those times. So, Yeah, and then there's also a setting for silence always or while the phone is locked. Right. And so if you really truly want to be in do not disturb mode, like, you know, say you're in a meeting and you're taking notes. Right. You, you, your phone is going to be unlocked because you're using it to take notes, but you have it in do not disturb. So you want to make sure that it's set to always, not just while the phone is locked. So I'm, I'm a big fan of using do not disturb. Yeah, me too. I use it both ways. I use it scheduled, you know, so it is, it is set to manually be on do not disturb during those times. And then I off, I use it, you know, if I'm on a house call, like I'm using it right now while I'm recording, um, and sometimes what happens, too, is because, you know, we were talking about the Apple Watch a little bit ago, too. Right. Another nice feature of the Apple Watch, like I just turned my wrist just now. And because I'm using Do Not Disturb with my iPhone, I have my Apple Watch set to mirror what's on my 
iPhone. So that means that I'm not going to have a phone call or a text or something being on my Apple Watch as well. And as soon as I flick my wrist, I can also see the little purple moon. It's actually purple on my uh, Apple Watch screen. But that's another indicator when you see the little moon show up, that means that it's on Do Not Disturb. And if you don't want it to be and you want to receive phone calls, then you should <laughs> know how to turn it off again, you know, how to disable it. And on the Apple Watch, so we, we might as well go over that too. On the Apple Watch, you swipe up from the bottom, just like in an iPhone prior to an iPhone 10. You swipe up from the bottom. And because it's at the bottom, you see the little moon there. And then to get to the silence, the, the mute uh, little bell. Right. You do have to use the crown or you can nudge up on it to scroll down a little bit further. Cause I like to use both of those together. Um, I will silence it and I put it in do not disturb. Right. I guess I could put it in theater mode, but I just, I, I think maybe it's just muscle memory. Cause I usually like to use one or the other. And then when I'm done, I'll take it off, do not disturb, but then I might still keep it in silent mode right. because I like to hear, I like to just feel the vibration on my wrist and maybe not necessarily hear the, the ding or the noise, depending on what I'm trying to do. I think it's just from motherhood. I'm just, I'm used to being <laughs> stealthy. Maybe like I was a cougar or a jaguar or something in my past life. I'm just, I really like being as stealthy as possible. The problem is people are being stealthy and they're not realizing it. So they need right. to know said, how to get to this stuff. So cooler. tell your grandma, tell your grandpa, <laughs> tell your mom, tell your dad about Do Not Disturb. Please educate your parents on how to use Do Not Disturb right. so that they will receive your phone calls. <laughs> you said cougar. Don't I don't think you should have said that. Just so you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I could resist. It's okay. My husband doesn't listen to this. <laughs> You should not use that, but I'll, 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 I'll let it go. Okay. Um, other thing I was going to mention, too, is uh, in Do Not Disturb, of course, we talked about it last episode about the Do Not Disturb while driving. Um, when that's mm-hmm. activated, you can you have control in there to actually turn it off or on manually. Um, you could set it automatically when connected to car, Bluetooth, or manually. Um, so in there, you can actually go in there and turn that off. And, and like you said in the Apple Watch, you see the half moon. That means that your watch will also go into Do Not Disturb when you're driving. When you're driving. Mm-hmm. So if you have that enabled, just be aware of that as well. So, uh, but uh, yeah, no, good, good tips. And I, I think everybody needs to know about that. So, and uh, you want to hit uh, a little bit about uh, the iPhone 10. Uh, yeah. And so even though you don't have with- one, but I can also always give you some support on this. So. Right. I always like to pick your brain about it. Like, hey, Dad, how, how do you do this on, on an iPhone 10, Dave? Well, one of my one of my clients finally got one. So I, I right. have been able to interact with them one in the wild. And I have to say, and you already know this, but I just wanted to point it out that, you know, if you are in a situation where you're trying to get your aging parent into an iPhone, like maybe one of their first phones, I am going to say that an iPhone 10 is going to be better and better for seniors. Um, it is kind of that sweet spot as far as the size goes, because I will see more and more seniors start to, they want the iPhone SE. They love that tiny little pocketable size because, you know, they're, I, I do it and I'm not a senior and I'm always losing stuff. I like, you know, having something that fits in my pocket and it does. But the problem is, my gosh, the screen is so small and it's, and it is just it's really not the best for, for aging eyes. I mean, you can make a lot of customizations to make it big, but then what happens is because the form factor is so small, right. you can enlarge the size, but then things get truncated to the point where it's almost just not readable. It's it's like it's not – it's too much of a good thing. Yep. So uh, – but then the iPhone 10, you know, it's a little bit – it's a little bit smaller than a plus – and it's closer to the size of an eight, 
but it's not as tiny as a an SE. So, and you've got the whole screen there. So there's more screen real estate in a smaller form factor. It's pocketable. It's palmable. You can use it with one hand. Um, you can use it comfortably. And um, there is there is a bit of a problem depending on what kind of a case you get. One, one thing that I that I've noticed, and I and I can see this happening to a lot of people, is when they pick it up, they might pick it up upside down. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to pick easy up to upside do. down. I've done so it. yeah, you've done it too. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, but I will say that, gosh, not having Touch ID to fumble with. Because, you know, here I am struggling to try to teach my seniors how to use Touch ID, and I just keep running into problems. I mean, I feel so bad for them. The problem is not them. It's the the technology relies upon a pulse, and it relies upon moisture, and a lot of people lose elasticity in their skin as they age. And they also, I mean, you've, you've seen seniors always wearing sweaters because they're always cold because their circulation isn't as good. And so in their fingers, their their hands are always ice cold or their fingertips are always cold or there's not enough moisture because their skin is so arid and it's dried out. Well, those are all bad things. They're all, they're all just incompatibilities with Touch ID. It just doesn't work. The other problem too is a lot of them slather moisturizer and lotion on their hands because their skin is dry. And so then that gets in the way of using touch ID. So I'm having that happen where I'm picking up a slimy phone, but you know, it's life. Um, you know, it just, it is what it is, but that is a problem. And so with, with face ID, oh my gosh, it's like so much nicer because now when I work with people, I have to do is, I mean, I don't shove it in their face, but I was just like, ah, look at it, you know, and they know, and it's cute because they'll smile because they think they have to smile at it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they, they, you know, you just have to look at it, but they like to smile at it. So I get a smile out of them. So that's fun. So I just, you know, this is just to say that I've, I've been enjoying using the iPhone 10 with seniors and I'm looking forward to using it with more and more of them because I don't have, we don't have to fumble with touch ID anymore or constantly. I mean, you're sitting there trying to have a session with someone and the phone is constantly locking and locking and locking. And, you know, you have to wait for them to open it or they have to give it to you. And I don't like having to know passwords. So I'll tell you what, face ID has been really, really great for working with my seniors. So if you are in a position and financially can afford it and you're thinking about getting a smartphone for your your parent or a senior or something, you might want to, you know, take a look at the iPhone 10 a little bit closer and, and think about just the the usability of it and the easiness that they can still unlock it right. and have it still be secure. Now, we talked about that a little bit uh, on the last episode about complacency and, mm-hmm. you know, making it too easy for people. So, you know, try to look for balances there. But the, just the fact that they can look at it and get into it at least with and still be secure, I still think is, is a winner in that situation. Yeah. So something to think about, food for thought. And uh, one thing you got to think about is um, a lot of rumors have already been swirling about the next new iPhones that are going to get released later this year. Uh, I have this feeling that they're going to come up with a lower priced I know. I hope it drives it down. So it should should drive the price down, and I'm just going to go under the assumption that that, you know Face ID has become more of a affordable uh, to put into these lower end phones. So it's very possible that they might start doing it on that too. There was rumors about the new SE2 coming out with the 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 iPhone SE that the version two with Face ID. Hard to say. I doubt Face ID would be on there. Mm -hmm. Um, But when do you uh, think we'll see it in an iPad? 
Um, that's another thing too. Hard to say. I mean, uh, I, I think all the thunder that came from the 9.7 inch with the pencil support, I think they're going to be chilling for a little bit with the iPad. Yeah. So. Okay. But uh, I would, I would venture to say, yeah, who knows with the fall, the fall time period, you know, they've, they've been known to, to do that. So that's a whole other story with the rumors and such. So that's fun to think about it for the future. I mean, it's something, it's something fun and good to look forward to, I think. Yeah. So, um, all right, so let's uh, near the end of our show here. Let's. Uh, I have a couple apps I I, I came up with uh, this week and um, wanted to talk about them a little bit. Uh, this one actually was uh, I I knew about this uh, um, uh, uh, application a, a while ago, but then uh, I was just t- helping somebody t- today with their with their contacts. Um, you know, working in the corporate world. Uh, Especially when you're using uh, something like Outlook, um, they do restrict how your how your contacts will sync onto your device locally, and then you can control it through Outlook by turning it off. So you know this person's uh, contacts were all gone. He didn't understand why. I'm like, okay, well let's look, and I knew right away that that probably saved contacts was turned off. And what happens mm-hmm. is when you turn the contacts back on in Outlook, it automatically starts syncing the secured contacts on through through the Outlook through. Uh, through there back onto his phone but what happens is you end up like a bazillion de- de- duplicates and uh for i kept i kept everybody would, would tell me this and i said yeah unfortunately there's no, i don't know anything way to do this and I, I totally forgot about this app but this app is called contact cleanup uh developer is chen shun um it's been around for a number of years it looks like the copyright on here is actually 2013 but He's keeping it up to date. It just got up to da- just updated back in January, and what this does is it, it simplifies and filters and finds all of your duplicate contacts in one place, and it gives you different categories that you can tap and what's duplicate. What's it'll even tell you if, if a contact doesn't have a phone number, doesn't have an email, there's no name. So it, it really helps you clean up your contacts very easily and quickly. Um, allows you the allows you to merge the contacts and it says, okay, it looks like these are the same. Why don't you merge them and you and you verify it ahead of time and you could do that. And, it, and then, and now what it does is it automatically merges uh, the duplicates automatically. Also, does what it does, which is really cool, is it does it actually do a backup of your contacts onto iCloud Drive for you, right from the app. Um, it is free. It is free, but it is limited what it can do. Um, it does have um, uh, it does have an in-app purchase, which is not that expensive, a dollar ninety-nine, and it'll, it'll do an automatic merging of contacts, and uh, you can do unlimited contacts with that as well. Uh, so check it out. We'll have, we have a link in the show notes about that. Um, and uh, do you have any comments about that? Yeah, where does it back it up in your iCloud Drive? I wonder. It uh, puts it in 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 the root. I mean, I actually look see where where it put it on mine. Um, it uh, it, it does it, it creates like a VC, VCS file. Just that's the, that's what I was wondering. So is it mm-hmm. so it's one file that contains all the contacts? It's Correct. not like individual cards. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's really important to back it up first because if you don't. <laughs> You're going to be hosed if you uh, if you go monkey around with it. The, anytime you're going to do any kind of corrections, back up, back up, back up, and that's the first backup layer. So that's good. Yeah, if you if you go into the backups, it shows you what's backed up, and also it also gives you a history of what was changed when you did any merges. Um, so it'll, it'll give you a whole list of what happened during that time. Uh, you go into the full backup, and uh, yeah, you actually can. You actually can email the backup to, to yourself or to somebody. Um, so if mm-hmm. it brings you right in there, you tap in, you tap email, and then it'll email the the VCF file. That's it, VCF. Okay. Uh, and so all in my case, I had 104 contacts on my phone, so all 104 contacts could be emailed, uh, uh, as well as it, it can be uh, uh, restored. So if you want to restore the backup on your phone, just tap one button, it restores it. So yeah, it's pretty slick, pretty slick app. 
Yeah, I'm going to be gearing up here for another uh, deep dive episode, I think, on contacts, where we'll just talk about contacts, because it's one of those apps that, you know, there's there's stuff you can do in iOS, but there are some limitations and people get frustrated with it. So we should look for maybe some workarounds for some of that stuff. But this is one of them. Yep. And then my last app I want to talk about today uh, was um, I've known about this website for quite a while. It's called Radio Paradise. So RadioParadise.com is the website. And it's a neat, neat uh, uh, place to listen to music. And everybody, it just has an in, in, insanely unique blend of different many styles and genres of music. That that they, it's actually run by humans. It's not done by any computers and picking music. They actually, they actually have a show and they and and they actually talk and talk between songs once in a while. And uh, it, it also uh, what the app did is it enhances it by a dazzling photo slideshow that it ties in uh, to the songs that are playing, which is kind of neat. It's nothing really anything else there out there that's like that. Um, and it goes through all the different uh, uh, all the different music genres, including modern, classic rock, world music, electronica, even a bit of a class, little, even a little bit of classical and jazz, which is kind of neat. So it's really mixing all of the. Uh, different genres all in one place. I, I kind of sometimes you, you like just you know you're sitting working on something you want to just listen to music instead of uh, listening to your Apple Music or any other the popular music. You can listen to this and it's not and like I said, there's no random computer uh, playlists. It's got not a lot much of any chatter. There's no commercials at all, which is awesome too. So I don't even know how they they, they support with this, but the, it, it's a great app and it's got a lot of good reviews. Uh, again, this one's called Radio Paradise uh, Slideshow. Uh, you could sign up and uh, just sign up with your uh, email, and, and it, I, I actually prefer to do that because then it uh, gives you a little more customizations that you can be able to do and uh, go in and do that um, and be able to s- select a button called PSD. And I think we've tried to figure out what that stands for at the beginning of the show. I think it was uh, – Play something different I, yeah, is my guess. Play something different. Um, mm-hmm. And then allows you to – Or it could be play something dude. No, I think it's different. <laughs> uh, so it allows you to be able to act. You know, I know what it is. It's play something, Dave. No, no. <laughs> I don't think it's that. But when you do tap that button, it does. It has play something menu comes up on the app, and it gives you mellow, rocking, or groove, and it'll tell you one song or six songs, and you can choose any any of those three categories. So it's, so you can ran, so you can really control what you want to listen to. So check it out it's absolutely free which is we like free we like to have every free apps and uh, do that as well too this is this our second episode in a row that hasn't cost our listeners anything well the, 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 the other app if you want to get the full features it's worth the two bucks so. yeah okay so in an app purchase yeah uh, well uh, I'll give them I'll give them that so okay. alright <laughs> anything else you wanted to bring up before we wrap this up no I think we're going to put a bow on it alright so let me close us out here uh, and I really appreciate and thank you for listening. And we hope you are more in touch with iOS after hearing this episode. Subscribe to our podcast in your favorite podcatcher, including uh, we are on TuneIn. Uh, you can listen to us on TuneIn, which I've pre- been pretty excited about. Uh, and uh, show your friends how to find us on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, Stitcher. And then, like I said, we're now uh, on TuneIn. We look forward to bringing you more useful information in future episodes. And I am Dave Ginsberg, and you can follow me on Twitter at DaveG65. And I'm Melissa Davis, and you can find me online all over at the Mac Mommy. <laughs> and uh, stay tuned and subscribe and for future episodes. And thanks for listening.